From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Rodriguez going to drive. Rodriguez puts it off the glass and in. Nice play by Luis. Harkless, long way from the basket with 10. Harkless into the lane. Harkless, 13-foot jumper. Nice shot by E.J. Harkless. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Wednesday, Cofield and Company. Adam Candy is the company. Ari is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Candy in Vegas. Cofield finishing up a UNLV basketball road trip game later tonight here in Dana Point, California, San Juan Capistrano. Candy, how you doing, buddy? Happy holidays. And a very happy holiday to you, although, frankly, a, a holiday spent in, in Dana Point, California seems like the right way to do it, my friend. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. It's got the... Uh, Got the fountain outside the window. They've got a bunch of pools at this. Uh, they set these guys up pretty nice. When you go to these TV back tournaments for college basketball, they set you up pretty good. So, yeah, it's been a, a cool week for the team, the players, the broadcasters hanging out here in Dana Point. So that game's tonight at 730. Running Rebel warm-up is at 7 o'clock. We've got hockey in town as well, and this is one of those games where you just got to stay focused, right, Candy, because it's the Senators. They stink. VGK is a massive favorite at minus 250. Yeah, and we have not seen that be a problem thus far for this Golden Knights team, right? Lack of focus against lesser opponents really hasn't been an issue the way it has been in certain years for VGK. So right now, I, I can't say I have a particular amount of worry, but you know, you got a nice little stretch here with three games at home in four days for VGK to continue the momentum. 15 wins and 20 tries is certainly suggesting that they are doing a fine job keeping the mental focus where it needs to be. Adam Candy, Cofield, just starting off here on a Wednesday in just a few minutes. We're going to start previewing the Thanksgiving football slate as we'll bring in a former Cowboy lineman and actually former Nevada lineman, Derek Kennard, is going to join myself and Mark McMillan. So that's coming up right around the corner. Later in the hour, we start getting into the uh, further into the Fremont Canning game, the battle. North and South, Nevada and UNLV as Caleb Herring will join us. We're going to get amped up for the Raiders a bit in the 4 o'clock hour, but I know you were a little worked up. I hadn't even seen this. Uh, how did this one get out? The Raiders are looking to trademark a new phrase? They are looking to new. Uh, they are looking to do this, Steve. They're looking to trademark the phrase. Get ready for it because it, it might not be natural to you. Wind City! Uh, apparently, according to a patent lawyer named Josh Gerber, who found the filing from the Raiders, they are attempting to file the trademark on the phrase Win City. Um, I don't know, man. I almost feel like the jokes are all too low-hanging fruit here. Yeah, right. Like I, I, I feel guilty even going for, you know, just pointing out that they're three and seven. The timing seems weird, although we don't know exactly. Did you say exactly when they put in for this? I did not say exactly when they put in. I mean, does it matter in the end? Like, I'm, I'm assuming the Raiders thought no one would find it, so it just looks kind of goofy right now that it's coming out when they're they're three and seven. They did win. Well, they're three and seven, but they did just win. So at least for this week, hey, it, is it is Win City is in the city. stylings of Sin it City. It is. It is Win City. I, I will give them the fact that it's Win City, and let me tell you. If I were the Raiders franchise, if I had been able to get $750 million from Nevada to bring this team, which has produced 
not a whole lot of winning to Vegas thus far. I would call it win city. It's a win for Mark Davis, right? It it's was, clearly yeah, a win for Mark Davis. For sure. It was, and it still is. And it's a win for Vegas too, right? The stadium, it's all for us, Las Vegas. It's all Yay. for us. Well, Yay. it was a lot of money. It's turned out to be um, somewhat productive. We'll see how it turns out in the long run. We are getting a bunch of uh, events that are landing here that we never had before. A lot more uh, big concerts that, you know, need venues in excess of 40 and 50,000. We'll get to the final four landing here in 2028 the the win city thing is really interesting though because during the show we do want to examine what the raiders are doing down the stretch here these last seven games because i think there's a lot of teams across the nfl when maybe you're a little ahead of schedule like the jets and bears is your goal to make the playoffs when you're way behind schedule and you're having a season that you didn't expect what's the right time to pull the plug if you're sitting at two three four wins with seven to go is the focus on this year or is it to the future? And that's really, that's going to be the big question the next couple of weeks. If the Raiders don't win, say the next two games, they don't win candy. Then all bets are off on solely playing for this year, right? I think when you look at what the Raiders already did by sending Waller and Renfro to the IR when they did, they kind of sent you the message that they understand what it's going to take both from the front office and from the team here. And from the front office, you got to set them up the best for the future that you possibly can. You cannot obviously tell the players or the coaches to go tank. But when you had Darren Waller, who was essentially a game time decision at one point, who then ends up on the IR for four weeks, I'm not one of those people who's blaming Waller for this. I'm one of these people looking at management and saying, yeah, you're probably giving Darren Waller the chance to get right. But if this team were seven and three instead of three and seven, is a guy who was nearly a game time decision with a hamstring issue getting shelled for four weeks? It doesn't feel like he is. No, not at all. Uh, giveaway time early in the show. Let's uh, give away a six foot classic sub courtesy of Porta Subs. Qualifier is in for the uh, chance at a new Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Caller 7364 1100, six foot sub from Porta Subs. You're also in for the Yeti Cooler. It's all brought to you by Porta Subs and Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. 364-1100. Caller 7 on the way back. Let's start deep diving into the battle for the Fremont Cannon. Some NFL action this weekend as uh, Derek Kennard, uh, world champion from the Dallas Cowboys back in the day, is uh, with myself and our good buddy, our football insider on Fridays, moving it up to Wednesday, Mark McMillan. Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Former NFL cornerback and ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan is live on Cofield and Company now. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, Mark McMillan, football insider, nice enough to join us a little early in the week. And we got a special guest. We want to talk Thanksgiving football and talk about the Cowboys a little bit. And of course, talk about the Nevada UNLV battle for the Fremont Cannon. Derek Kennard is in. What's going on, guys? Oh, man. I, 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 hey, I'm, you I'm, know what's going on. You know what's going on. It's the interstate rivalry. You, you know what it is. Oh, he, he getting fired up already. I didn't go to UNLV. Uh -oh, uh -oh. I, I, I'm 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 get I'm gearing up for the rivalry. I know you know both teams are records are not what they uh, would like to be, but it's still a rivalry. DK, who is going to go home with the cannon this weekend? Well, I'm sadly to say that uh, Viva Las Vegas will go home with the cannon because we're in the re rebuilt year, and uh -oh. um, no, I'm, I have no excuses, no You're explanation, no excuses for you. I'm just giving it to you straight up. 
at the hot sauce bottle. Wow, so you're conceding already that the Rebels will have the cannon here back in Viva Las Vegas? Yeah, but we're coming back to get it, though. It, it, we just we just loaning it to you just for, for this year. We're we rebuilding. We have we have, um, all my staff and my students took off to Colorado State with with the former coach and uh, not happy about it, but it is what it is. It's the revolving door of coaches nowadays. It's how it is nowadays in the coaching staff. You know, um, I ain't. But back when I played, you guys had Cunningham out there uh, playing against us, and he punt passed and kicked kicked uh, <laughs> our butts every other year. Not every year, every other year. I just wanted, I just want to let you know that we, between me and uh, uh, Charles, man, we were standing up and representing. Well, like I said, you played with some really good players. Obviously, you played against Randall Cunningham. Uh, you know, in the National Football League, college. Uh, what kind of college player was he? Because a lot of people don't really remember him uh, as a college player. You know, uh, they, his name really just just blew up when he went to the National Football League, but you saw it at an early, early age. Multifaceted guy. He could punt. He can pass. He can kick. He did it all. Uh, I mean, I... I'm surprised they didn't put him over there on defense. He's so he was so uh, talented. Uh, uh, yeah, he did all those things: punt, pass, and kick. So I was um, he was just uh, a marvel to watch out uh, uh, play his his college career. And then again, have to see him again with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I didn't have time to sit there and watch him then because I had the preacher man in front of me. You know what was going on. You know exactly what was going on. Because when I got done with him, I was I was trying to hunt you down. <laughs> I know I was always seemed like to be the hunted. I'm the smallest guy out there, you know, just trying to just trying to make my way out there. And then I see, you know, you, uh, you know, big Eric Williams. Uh, you know, thank they two and a you know, there was some large humans that I was trying to dodge, and I'm like, I got enough trouble out here trying to stick Michael Irvin and now Alvin Harper. Why are you guys coming to come out here and try to hit me? I never understood that. You know why? Because you're always yick, yakking, jaw jacking, lip smacking, dude. You always do that stuff, you always do that. Come on, come on. Like I said, it's and you, and you always come over the top of the pile too, man. Ooh, ooh. Well, it, it looked it looked good on TV, and I just want to let everybody back home. You know, let my mom know, hey, I'm safe. I'm on top of the pile. I'm not under the I'm not under the rubbish. So everything is good. But uh, like I said, you had a a very good career. You know, you you see all the Power Five offers and the car kids with the uh, star rankings. You know, you went to University of Nevada and and had a really good uh, NFL career. Can you? Uh, kind of break it down, uh, you know, what it meant for you. I was uh, highly recruited, went to Nebraska. I took a trip down to, to BYU and, of course, uh, of U of A and uh, uh, Boise and Nevada. But uh, uh, Nebraska uh, said I was going to have to ride Pine for the five or six years I was there. And then uh, uh, down in, in U of A, they fired the coach the week before, uh, no, it was three days before letter of intent day. They fired the, the head coach back in 1980, and um, I, I had to rethink my thoughts. Uh, I already committed with U of A and uh, was going to play as a freshman, but uh, it didn't happen. So uh, BYU wanted me to change my religion, and that was going to be with Steve Young at the time. And, uh, 
No, I didn't want to do that. I um Well I don't know I don't know if I, I, don't wound, know. Up to, I wound up in Reno, Viva Viva La Reno, Nevada. Yeah, I don't know if Steve changed his religion or or uh you know or, or vice Sikahama. You know, those guys obviously we get we had an opportunity to play with those guys. So I, I think you would have failed I think you would have did very well at, at, at BYU. Um you might have been married early. You know, I don't know if that would have went over with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was uh, already had a high school sweetheart. I didn't need another one. Guys. Obviously, fast forward, you know, the USFL, you know, you went through that uh, process as well. Uh, you know, back then, there were some really good football players uh, in the USFL, uh, many household names uh, that went on to the NFL. What was it like, you know, going through that transition from Nevada? That was during the Herschel Walker era. I, uh, Lord, oh, Lord, not Herschel, not Herschel. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's doing the Ric Flair now. He's out there doing the Ric Flair now. <laughs> we wound up, we wound up uh, going to USFL, and we kind of made history by by changing the the pay structure for all the NFL players that, that came into the league that, you know, and um, it, uh, it really uh, renovated uh, how guys were played and changed the collective bargaining agreement for NFL players. Like I said, you, you had an opportunity to play with uh, Steve Young back in, in those days. I know you brought up uh, Mr. Mr. Rick Flair, Herschel Walker, uh, you know, name as well. You know, he, he was one of the big money guys, uh, you know, obviously got to pay a lot of money. Then he went out to the National Football League with everybody else. Uh, then to the, obviously, you know, you play with several teams, the Cardinals, uh, the Saints, and then obviously, you know, that team in Texas, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, you guys had a nice little run there. Uh, what was it like, man, playing uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously with some really good players? Uh, what was the locker room like uh, on game day in Dallas with the playmaker and all those characters? Chaotic. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Ludicrous. <laughs> Primetime lays out his uniform on the, on the carpet um, like a mannequin, a beautiful mannequin. And... Uh, Myself and Nabel walk by and just and just <laughs> f it up <laughs> every time. Not not sometime, every time. <laughs> and uh, he did the, he did the same thing with his outfits after the game. He would lay it out like a mannequin, and we would walk by and put our towels wrapped around us to, on our way to the showers and mess it up every time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you brought that up about prime time. You know, laying out his uniform, and then out in Kansas City, Andre Risen did the same thing, and everybody was wondering, like, why is he doing this? And our lockers was next to each other, and he was like, "Yo, man, you got to look good, you got to feel good, and you play good." And he really had his like the helmet to the socks to the to the headband, like everything he was the like, whole deal. Being in Arizona, uh, you know, seeing the Cardinals struggling. Uh, big time. What is the buzz around around that organization now? Uh, pretty, uh, it's pretty bad right now. It's um, this organization here is uh, is in trouble of losing, um, having a losing season, and um, you know that win in Mexico, that loss in Mexico was uh, horrendous, and uh, I don't know how you come back from this. And you got you got to go against the uh, Chargers this coming up game, and. Uh, it's about to get ugly if, if they don't clean up some things. But got some guys coming back uh, from injuries. Uh, they, uh, 
Four of our offense, starting offensive linemen were out last week. I don't know why everybody t- decided to take a day off on uh, a week that you got the baddest D line in town. I don't, I, I don't know. You tell me. I, I look one way when I cross the street. I look the other way across the street. There's no cars coming. Where do, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> what? Let's get it. It is competition, man, and injuries happen. You are you are you really hurt? Are you just nicked up? Different guy, different time. I don't know. Yeah. You you tell you tell me, Mighty Mouse. You you <laughs> I seen you with uh half of your hamstring uh tore off and you was out there. So come on, man. We we playing at different times now. Uh Mark and it's different nowadays, and uh, I I don't know, man. They guys shut it down. They get a, you know, they get a paper cut on the finger. They shut it down, bro. I I just got I just got a problem with that, and I know they're trying to make the game safer, so we don't have guys like me out there knocking the cowboy crap out of you. But uh, it's a violent sport, and uh, uh, people pay their money to see. The, are all the best players on out there on the field every week, and uh, that's what the that's what the fans pay for. Yeah, it didn't start off good for the Cardinals. You know, obviously all the stuff come out with Kyler Murray not studying film. Uh, then they give him a huge contract extension, uh, you know, and lock up a lot of money. And he's been in and out of the lineup this uh, this, this season. Um, and then I see him in Mexico with a do rag on his head with gold chains around his neck, like the you know, same thing that you alluded to, like. Are you injured or are you hurt? You know, there, there's a big difference uh, in that, you know, uh, it's just a different ball game, man. Certain players, uh seems like they want it more than than, than other players. Um, you know, we're here in, in Vegas. You know, I know Carr gets a lot of heat, uh, you know, but he hasn't missed any game. You know, he, he's out there. He's fighting and battling for his team. Uh, you know, so it's just a different ball game. You look at, uh, you know, quarterback up there uh, in Buffalo, you know, he was going through injuries. He's fighting through it. Uh, you know, you look at Tua, who was clearly knocked out on TV uh, and still wanted to come back and play the following week. Uh, so, you know, you know, some of the questions or rumors that they were talking about Kyler Murray uh, not really buying into the program, not really wanting it. Maybe should have went to baseball, but he's got the bag already. Uh, so I don't think he's worried about that. But, you know, it is a different time, different era for these guys. But like you said, when you're playing on national TV against the Bosa's, against the top guys, you should want to suit up and, and go out there and fight for your guys. Absolutely, 100%. Get your ankle tape tighter. Do something, man. <laughs> I mean, go get an attitude adjustment. Call your mama. Call somebody. But come on. Call Tyrone. Call Tyrone. <laughs> call Tyrone. <laughs> hey, last one, Derek. And Derek Kennard's with us on Cofield and Company. What do you think is going to happen on Thanksgiving with the Cowboys and the Giants? Oh, man, uh, the, the, the Giants had just been hit with a, a rash of injuries. And uh, Cowboys, I think the Cowboys is going to um, show up and show out and uh, put this quarterback on his back. That pressure on that quarterback is going to going to be relentless this weekend. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. How about them Cowboys? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. I I was just waiting. I knew it was going to come sooner or later. It was coming. It was coming. All right, Derek. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Thank you, Mark, for uh, hooking it up. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving weekend, Derek. All right, guys. Happy, happy Thanksgiving, guys. That was it. That was it. As soon as he as soon as soon he said, how about them Cowboys? He was polite in the beginning about uh, Nevada not having a chance in the game for the uh, 
cannon, but that was it. We had a we had to call it. We had to boot him. Yeah. We had to boot him. <laughs> what do you think happens? I, I think the Giants are actually going to play a competitive game. I, I think they're going to give a game to the uh, Dallas Cowboys. The spread is gigantic. It's nine and a half points. I, I mean, I think the Cowboys are a good team, but I just think the Giants had a bad game last week. Yeah, and everybody seems like they've had a bad game this season. Um, you know, it's like uh, the Giants lose a game and everybody's like, oh, my God, the Giants are the same Giants. No, they're not. You know, they're a very competitive ball club. Um, they're not going to, uh, you know, throw the ball up and down the field. You know, they're going to run the ball. They play really solid, good defense. Uh, they don't turn the ball over as much. Uh, everybody goes by the game that uh, the Cowboys had with the Vikings and just thinks like, oh, my gosh, the Cowboys have arrived. We don't forget two weeks ago they went to Lambeau and got smacked. Uh, so, you know, it, it's going to be a division game. Um, it's going to be very competitive. I think it is. You know, the Giants, I'm sure they hear all the rumors about they're going to go get smashed. Everybody's talking about how good the Cowboys are. Uh, they're filling themselves. So I look for a very competitive game. What do you make? And we're talking to Mark McMillan here on Cofield and Company. What do you make of what the Raiders did last week? Uh, most people had them, you know, DOA, cars crying after the game a couple of weeks ago. I was impressed. I mean, you know, Denver's not a great team, but they go and sweep Denver and they got off the deck. You know, they, they showed some moxie. Yeah, uh, like I said, you know, we, we talked about Carr and his emotions after the game. And I and I and we talked about, like, hey, he's challenging those guys in the locker room as well. And I said to myself, I took it personal. If I'm a player, if I see my quarterback pouring everything into it, he's crying, he's really passionate about the program, I need to look in the mirror at myself and, and see what am I doing wrong. And I think those guys looked in the mirror, uh, man to man, and, and said, hey, man, you know, I'm not doing as well as I should be doing. And they played spirited football for 60 minutes. You know, it, you know, at the second half, everybody's like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? But they still continue to run the ball. Josh Jacobs is playing at a, in my opinion, at a really MVP level. You know, what he's able to do, moving the chains. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a nightmare for any defense. Um, you know, against the number one, one of the top defenses in the National Football League, uh, the Denver Broncos, and on the road. So, like I said, I was impressed, uh, you know, the way they handled themselves. Uh, you know, you see Devontae Adams, man, he was so fired up after that victory. Uh, seeing the guys excited in the locker room, uh, you know, as uh, on outside looking in, we just think these guys are robots. And, you know, they don't listen to the radio or they don't hear the murmurs. But you see, man, team sport and football is a it's a week to week. It's so emotional. You know, it, you know, last week, everybody's booing them, throwing them out of the water. And then you see them come back and beat Denver. And you see the emotion on those guys' faces. You see guys hugging Derek Carr. Uh, you see Josh is excited, so hopefully they can continue to do that. And like I said, anything can happen in the National Football League, Steve. Mark, let's close by going back to the beginning of the conversation with Derek Kennard. He's a uh, Nevada guy in terms of where he played his college football. So it's Nevada and UNLV, and on the UNLV side, man, what a rough loss at Hawaii. Oh. And I just talked about getting off the deck if you're the Raiders. There's an outside chance now. Uh, because there aren't enough six-win teams, so they're going to start bringing in five-win teams for bowl games. So there's a little bit of a carrot. A lot of things have to break for the uh, Rebels. But the first thing is they got to win this game, and it's not going to be an easy game to win based on the way they've been playing lately. Yeah, uh, you know this rivalry better than than a lot of us. Uh, you know, you've been around this game for a while, around this program, and you know what it means. And obviously, hopefully, these players know what is at stake. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's not looking good for the coaching staff. You know, you go and lose on the road to a team that, what, it, I think is 11-point favorite, um, and you go down and, and you don't bring away the victory with everything on the line. Everything was on the line. You take care of that. You come home in front of your home crowd. Everybody's going to be excited against your hated rivalry. You know, so, you know, five wins. You know, as a program, you're like, eh, we get a bowl game, but 
you know, is that really a five and six get you in a bowl game now? You know, it, it, so it should be pretty uh, exciting this weekend. Hopefully these guys come out with that mentality and fight for the win and, and try to uh, bring the cannon, you know, keep the cannon here in, in, in Las Vegas. So it was a brutal loss, man. It, it, you know, I feel for those kids. Um, I know, you know, they fought hard. Um, it's a long travel, but, you know, Hawaii had to travel too sometimes, and they won some games as well. But, you know, when you have that kind of program, that kind of talent on both sides of the ball with uh, UNLV, you got to win those games, Steve. We talked to Rich Miano early in the year, early uh, in the week, and he pretty much said, hey, you know, UNLV should win this game. Mm -hmm. You know, Hawaii's in a rebuilding stage with a brand-new coach, and you go down there and, and you don't get the victory. is very heartbreaking. Mark, are you doing the uh, pregame show on uh, 8 News Now on Sunday morning? I am doing the pregame show uh, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. on CBS with my guy Ron and Chris Mathias. Man, we have a really good time. We had Lolo's Chicken and Waffles on last week, so everybody ate good. They displayed my smoked turkey that I did last year. Obviously, my Grilla McMillan infused olive oils made a little cameo as well. So everything is going good, man. So tune in this Sunday, 8 a.m. to Raiders pregame live on Channel 8. You mentioned the smoked turkey. Is that in the plan again? Is that the menu for Thanksgiving? What are you doing? Um, I have a roast right now, so you know I didn't want to get a brisket because prices are through the roof. So I got a roast that I'm gonna smoke like a brisket. I have a turkey breast that I'm gonna infuse with my garlic infused olive oils. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna put a little jerk seasoning on that turkey as well. So I'm gonna put that in the smoker for about five or six hours. Uh, we got a nice little peach cobbler in, in in the making as well. So we just got a little small Thanksgiving. We're gonna go to other people's houses nice. this this year and we're gonna we're gonna have our to-go boxes this thanksgiving but man everybody that's out there that's been listening to uh the cofield show and and myself uh for the whole year happy thanksgiving to everybody be safe out there enjoy your family because we're not promised tomorrow so have a happy thanksgiving and go birds there you go uh, <laughs> uh mark i'm thankful for you doing all the good work for us man appreciate you hooking us up with all these uh, great former players and hope you have a good thanksgiving and thanks for doing it a little bit early in the week i'll talk to you all right, appreciate it. Join Cofield and Company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2 4 and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Enrolled my wife. You know, it's the same it's the same things we talked about when we elevated him to the second spot. I got it, it feels like three, three or four weeks ago. Uh, just... You know, we know he's fully capable. He's started in this league. He's won games for us. And, um, and we just want to give him an opportunity. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Thanks to former NFL players Derek Kennard, Mark McMillan, joining us, getting us uh, ready for football, football, football. We got more football on the way. That was uh, Robert Sala. Adam Candy's here. He's a New York guy. Cofield, New Jersey guy. I got to tell you, I despise New York sports topics in the Pacific time zone. Hate it. But I do think it is a bit of a national story that as ordinary as the Jets are, the number two pick in the draft, we've now got a situation here. What do you think, Candy? Zach Wilson to the bench and uh, one of the you know nameless backups that they have. And well, one has a name. Uh, Joe Flacco, Mike White is kind of a nobody, not to be mean. You've got a little playing time in the past, but what do you think? Would you feel any better if our topic were about a BYU quarterback? Billion percent. Yeah, we're back in. 
We're back See, in. It's look Pacific at me. Mountain time hey. zone. You're, you're brilliant. I hadn't even thought of that. Hey. Anyway. You're right. You know what? The damn folks from Utah going as a New York quarterback. What? Back to a New York topic. Damn it. Go ahead. See. Hey, well, I tried. Uh, so Zach Wilson goes <laughs> to the bench a few days after being asked if he felt like he had let down the defense and essentially came up with a one-word answer of no and didn't follow it up. Uh, I don't think that's why Zach Wilson's going to the bench in favor of Mike White. I think Zach Wilson's going to the bench because Zach Wilson, over the course of the 20 games he's played in the NFL, has been the single worst quarterback on the field in the National Football League. I'll throw some stats at you just for fun because you've probably watched Zach Wilson play at some point. You probably already know that he's terrible, but maybe you can put into context a little bit of just how terrible he is by seeing that this year he has the lowest completion percentage of any quarterback in the NFL. He has the second worst turnover worthy play percentage to only Taylor Heineke. He is the lowest graded quarterback by pro football focus. And Cofield can tell you as a Jets fan, there are at least two games this year where if the Jets get even average quarterback play, not even good quarterback play, that they win. And one of them's last week against the New England Patriots. So Zach Wilson might have peeved a few people in the locker room by not saying the right thing when it was really easy to say the right thing. But you know what? You have guys out there like Tom Brady who are out there openly yelling at players on the field. You have Kyler Murray out there bitching out his coach. You have guys who are making a mockery of teammates and of coaches, and they are still playing because they're playing all right. Zach Wilson said some bad stuff, but Zach Wilson's playing like crap, and that's why he's going to the bench. And I don't think it takes big stones if you're Joe Douglas to do this. I don't think it takes big stones if you're Robert Sala. It really doesn't. The team's winning. So if you go to Woody Johnson and say, you know what? We're winning games, and we want to get you into a playoff game this year. The quickest path we have to a playoff game is our quarterback not beating us anymore. And that's what the Jets had to do, and that's what the Jets did. So I'm right behind him. I think benching Wilson because of the play, not because of losing the locker room, was the right call. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. The noise and the weather. <laughs> well, and I would say this, the team. Every time that I've been there with Pete and uh, even before then, I mean, this has been so well coached, really good players. The atmosphere that you're going to play in, probably as noisy as, as you get. You know, the team, uh, how well they perform and do their jobs, you know, and then combine that with the noise level. That's really what I attribute it to. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Josh McDaniels on Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Caleb Herring is in. What's up, Caleb? What's up, Steve? How you doing, man? Good. Say hi to Adam Candy. Adam, pleasure. Segway man, what's up? Well, hey, Caleb. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> this is a very be. formal setup by Cofield. Yeah, no, I wanted to get the niceties out of the way before we start uh, deep diving on UNLV football's close to the season. Caleb was probably the most angry guy on the road trip. He was freaking livid. All right, well, before we get to what's going on in 2022, I want you to talk about your experience and the feeling in general when you play Nevada, 
and it's a game that they they up north absolutely take seriously. It's questionable sometimes whether different Rebels football teams have taken it that seriously. But talk about your fire and your experience in this rivalry. Yeah, so I have I have really bad experiences and really good ones. Uh, first, learning about the rivalry through the lens of playing it on the road um, is where you get the real intensity of it, where the, the hate is born, I guess, where you realize this team hates you, their fans hate you, and they take it very seriously up north. And it's that was kind of the revelation for me when I went up there and played in the game for the first time. It was also a revelation because it's one of the worst games, I think, maybe in UNLV quarterback history. Um, I was the quarterback that did it. Um, so doing it in that game um, uh, added to the fuel of my fire of why I hated going up to that stadium and why I um, developed sort of a, uh, a heated reason for this rivalry having meaning to me. There's some experience, you know, the fans do their part. They're, they're yelling at you. They're screaming at you, obviously, and they don't like you and they make that known with their choice of words. Um, but like I said, for me personally, it was the, the performance that I actually put out in that game the first time. Um, was awful. I, I just had a terrible game. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to make amends for it in my senior year and play one of my more memorable, uh, better games and won the cannon back and also got to do that on their field and celebrate on their field. And, uh, and it made it, you know, kind of full circle journey for me in the rivalry game. But it's intense. It's one of the more intense rivalry games uh, that I've been a part of. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of historic ones across the country. Um, but the Fremont Cannon is a big deal. And Reno, I think, giving them credit where it's due, I think their community up there is more intently focused on what the Wolfpack football program is doing. And that's just my experience of it. Um, and that may be true with, with every team. It, it's been said that playing a rivalry game on the road is when you really feel it. And fortunately for the Rebels, this one's at home. Um, but I think it's going full circle where UNR has had, kind of had their way with the Rebels over the past couple of years. And a lot of people in that Rebel locker room have their eyes set on revenge and making sure they uh, end the season with a, a a victory over the rival. It would kind of make uh, make amends for some of the losses along the way. So, Caleb, you talk about the potential angle of revenge, and that comes from the mental focus, which obviously was the question that a lot of folks had coming out of the Hawaii game. And really, it can still be a question – if we're talking about going into the Reno game, because you could say, well, will the focus be there for the Cannon game after losing the Bull Hopes in Hawaii? So I'll just ask you in a very general sense, for those of us who didn't have the opportunity to be in Hawaii, what did you see and what do you think happened to the Rebels? Oh, that's, there's a lot. Uh, I think there was a there was a lapse, and I don't know if I would say it was focus or intensity, uh, I know that the, the message coming out for the players kind of post game was that the, the focus was questioned a little bit um, in post game with Coach Roy as well, that there was a question of the focus during the game. And um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think uh, in, in a lot of ways, the pressure of the moment may have created a different mentality and understanding that you had no room for error makes it harder to not focus on not making an error and playing not to make a mistake, so to speak. Um, that's possible. Um, there's some execution things that maybe didn't happen. Um, and honestly, there's some plays that, <laughs> that Hawaii made throughout the game. They were just like, what? How are they pulling this off? Where did this come from from this team? Uh, a sequence of, I think it was four third down conversions in a row on, on a, the drive to open the second half where Hawaii's passing game just com completely uh, caught fire on third downs. And it was kind of devastating. Those moments, the, the weather being a, a wacky thing, also contributed to the focus. Um, but it didn't seem like the Rebels were prepared to 
finish a team off. It seemed like they were kind of expecting and waiting, from my opinion, from my vantage point, for Hawaii to roll over. And credit to Hawaii, they never did. Uh, that team came out and fought like they had everything on the line. And it was, you know, uh, with the two-win season, playing for their third, you wouldn't necessarily expect that. And I, I don't think the Rebel players, once the game kicked off, they had a good opening drive. And when Hawaii responded with the, the response touchdown and also with the injury to Dre Williams on that drive, I don't think UNLV ever uh, fully expected that punch and that kind of a haymaker from Hawaii. But it came, and Hawaii got fired up, and they believed, and they kept believing all the way through four quarters. And unfortunately, that's ha that's what happens, and that's why you play the game of football. You have to roll it out there, um, and, and whoever shows up on any given night can upset you, can beat you. And I don't think the Rebels play with that appropriate level of fear or, or respect for their opponent. And that's just based on what I watched. They they got out-competed, out-physical, out-fought. Um, and, and that's just the way the cookie crumbled on that game. It was it was a tough one to watch. And um, it brought a sense of finality to the season, even though there's one game left. And that kind of uh, that kind of that game, because it took away the hopes of six games and bowl eligibility, in essence, it, it felt like after that game, there was kind of a sense of finality, like the season ended there, which is going to be a hard emotional and mental thing to overcome for prepping for this week um, because you did lose out on a season goal after that. But that's the task. You got to pick it up and, and dust it off and go to work for another one. Fortunately, there should be enough motivating factors in this rivalry game on senior night uh, to to get you back up and off the mat to, to fight one more time. Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, UNLV radio broadcaster, joining us here on Cofield and Company talking about Rebel football, a hugely disappointing loss at Hawaii, which ended the Rebels' hopes for bowl eligibility last week. And, and Caleb, anytime we end up in a situation like this, everyone's looking to say, whose fault is it? Who do you blame? This, And I don't know that it's always that simple for us to get down to, but I want to explore that point you brought up about the moment and the moment being too big because really this is Marcus Arroyo's first big spot in a moment like this. It's Doug Brumfield's first big spot in a moment like this. And there are a lot of other players on the roster for whom it was a big moment like this. Uh, how would you look at it and say, if the rebels could do it again, this person, these people, this coach player, whoever should be the one to kind of take the reins and, and get you an LV in the right place. Well, I, I think there's a lot of growth that has to happen for people to assume that role. Um, and keep in mind, this is a Royals first in as head coach. Um, it's like you said, a lot of people's first time in this situation from this perspective, from this angle. So there's things I'm sure he's learned uh, throughout this process as a coach and uh, that players like Doug and other key playmakers who are relied upon to be the difference in games like this and in moments like this and to lead the team to victory and prosperity. I think those that it's a learned thing and you, you can everybody understands, you know, and can speak to the winning formula for football games and and what it takes to be good and the ability to run the ball, efficiency on third down, scoring touchdown, all of that stuff that you say, and they're really just talking points, but it's it's one thing to execute in a performance in a game in the heat of battle. Um, and it really is a learned thing. And that there's there's an it factor that is talked about a lot that can't be quantified, really. Um, but you see it with experienced guys who've been there before and who have had success in those situations. They've learned something. Um, and it's an intangible uh, thing to be able to do it, to be able to have a you know, confidence in yourself on third down or confidence that you're going to win the game late. Um, you see it with guys like Jake Hayner right now, a Mountain West quarterback who just seems to have that knack for doing it. Um, and I don't think that the Rebels have developed that as a team yet. And that doesn't mean that they haven't progressed as a program. They've progressed to even be in this conversation for having it, right? They, they went from zero wins a couple years ago to last year. Now 
very good competitive expected to win football team in my opinion they the fact that we're talking about them expecting to be in a bowl game this year is i think proof of progress um now with that comes responsibility now you got to deliver um when you when the expectations shift to you know fans and yourself internally expecting to win those games you have to meet up live up to them and i think this win or this loss rather to hawaii was probably the first time where i expected someone to step up and make the play to win and for them to come out on top and for the season to end the way we wanted it to with the six wins and the bowl game but unfortunately it didn't now what's the next step how do you develop that um that ability that uh that quality in your football team going forward that's the question and that's what they're gonna have to figure out during the offseason caleb as you discussed the idea of finality a moment ago i want to draw back about when i was broadcasting at unlv and i was spending time around the women's basketball program and they always did their end of the year banquet after the last regular season game but before the mountain west tournament and you would see the emotions that would come out of the players talking about seniors who were leaving and this and that and you would always think man that's that that's a lot of goodbyes before you even get into the playoffs right so now you look at the rebels having a lot of emotional players after that game in hawaii you talked about it as the idea of finality and yet you have a game on your schedule left that bowl or not for a lot of people is the biggest game on the schedule so how do you get the mentals back in the right place before they play for the cannon well i think there's first of all the senior leadership has to matter and i think that um they would want to and they should be addressed and they should have their desire to finish their season on a high note um that's a motivating factor for a team especially if uh you care about your senior group and i'm just being honest i've been around people who didn't like the seniors very much, right? But it seems like this group of seniors is well-liked. They have a, a voice in the locker room where people respect and um, appreciate what they've done. And I think that's a motivating factor for the young guys and the rest of the roster to say, yeah, we're going to finish this strong for the seniors. That's one. Uh, that should be a motivational thing. Then it's playing against Reno. Um, no matter when this game falls, it's serious, it's important, and it should be taken seriously. Um, that's I think that's two factors right there that should – give you every reason to come out of that locker room with your hair on fire on Saturday afternoon. So uh, there should be plenty, but it is a hard hurdle to overcome. And it, for, for UNLV, that sense of finality didn't come on the last game. Um, but like I said, because it eliminated you from bowl contention, from your sixth game, you know, on your goal board, this is a goal for the season because it meant that was eliminated. And just listening to the response of some of the players after the game, the tears flowing in the locker room, that's just kind of what I felt, the finality of it. Um, at least it was setting in for them. Now there's an end date uh, to the season. Whereas when the bowl game was a, was out there and a, a possibility, you didn't know. Like if we get bowl games, there's December 17th, there's this game, we could go to this bowl game in Idaho, whatever. And you don't know exactly when the end is going to be. Now, when you look down the end of the tunnel, you know uh, this weekend is going to be the last game. So that kind of feeling starts to set in. And especially with the seniors, this could be your last time. Um, that sense of finality is going to be hard to overcome. But there's good reason. There's plenty of good reason out there, and it's up to the players and coaches to find it and use it as motivation to put out their best effort of the season to finish it off. Caleb, i got 15 seconds left. Give me a pick. I'm going Rebels. I can't do anything else. Alumni here, bias. You can call it what you want, but Rebels get the win to finish the season off. All right, Caleb. Thank you. Have a good holiday. Same to you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. There is Caleb Herring. Part of the Rebel Football Broadcast, also a host on the Marcus Arroyo radio show. That's coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. And remember, kickoff is 3 o'clock on Saturday. Rebel warm-up for the football game is at 2.30.